Welcome back to Dissecting Dexter, the podcast that's taking a trip down memory lane with the Showtime TV series Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, and firstly, I have to again apologise for the gap between this and the last podcast. Usual excuses, busy, etc., but I do have another podcast called Gareth's Waste of Time, in which I talk about films and TV shows and stuff, and I've done one of those since we last looked at Dexter. Uh... But you may be interested in checking out Gareth's Waste of Time. It's on iTunes or uh, via the blog garethswasteoftime.blogspot.com. Also, since the last podcast, the San Diego Comic Con happened, and it was there that they screened a trailer for Season 5. And boy, was it good. Obviously, this is a spoiler-free podcast, so I won't go into details in this show, but suffice it to say it was fantastic and has me beyond... Excuse me, Beyond Excited for Season 5, which premieres on September the 26th in the USA. Here in the UK, Season 4 has just started airing for the first time on FX, and for me, this was the best Dexter season so far. But again, this is a spoiler-free podcast, and in the Season 1 retrospectives, we only talk about what's gone before in Season 1 and nothing of what's to come. That said, I did do a Season 5 special earlier in the summer and I still hope to get a couple of guests on and podcast again about Season 5, kind of a preview, quite soon. But when we do, the episode will be clearly labelled and uh, prefaced with spoiler warnings in the show itself, so don't worry about being spoiled. You can dodge if you don't want to know. But watch out for it in the podcast feed if you're subscribed. Since we last spoke, I've set up a couple of listener voicemail lines. I've set up two so as to cater for global listeners, although there's always email if you want to send an mp3 file, or if you have an iPhone you can email voice recordings directly from there, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. But the listener lines. In the UK you can call 0844 579 6949. That's 0844 579 6949. And when you dial that, you can then enter mailbox number 08320 to access the Dissecting Dexter box. In North America, the number to call is 206-203-0974. That's 206-203-0974. Drop me a voicemail. Go on, be a devil, and I'll play your call in the next show. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. So, back to our Season 1 rewatch. We're up to Episode 6, entitled Return to Sender, and with it, we're halfway through the season. The original air date was the 5th of November 2006. The episode was directed by Tony Goldwyn, who starred opposite Patrick Swayze in Ghost. The episode was written by Tim Schlattman, writing his first episode of Dexter. We open with Dexter musing how life is so fragile and that every breath could be our last. And then we see he's standing beside the toilet. Cody next to him, dangling a rather limp and very dead goldfish over the bowl. It seems like a fairly sad, sombre moment as they flush it down, but then Cody turns to Dexter and asks if he can have his cereal now. Dexter observes how we all have our own way of grieving and that he prefers the six-year-old way. 
At the breakfast table, it's clear that Dexter's come over to Rita's house early to help with disposing of the goldfish. They talk and we learn that Asta's birthday is fast approaching and they're talking about what sort of birthday cake she'd like. Dexter muses about birthdays and how he's never understood why people want to celebrate another year of life and how it seems so forced. Dexter gets a call to attend a crime scene and to his horror, if he could feel horror that is. The location is the Castillo junkyard the place where he dispatched Jorge and Valerie Castillo in the last episode. As he crosses the police line, Masuka gives him a grin, but he's in no mood for joviality. His mind is racing. He regrets killing both of them, and he didn't have time to do a proper job, and he's worried that he's left something behind. Some evidence, a footprint maybe, or a tiny drop of blood. He approaches the caravan where he did the deed, and he's mortified to see Deb standing next to the body of Valerie Castillo. How the hell? She was last seen being dropped over the side of his boat far out to sea. Impossible. Nice place setting, huh? We're running our prints now. It had to be him. He's watching me. Dex? Good. ID the victim. Find anything else? That ain't enough. Any eyewitnesses? Just do your job. Worry about the blood. Of course, Dexter's understandably in some state of shock here. And who could blame him? Obviously, the ice truck killer is following him, but out to sea? Really? Amazing to think so, but clearly the guy has access to a boat and can follow Dexter anywhere. And he must be a diver, too, to have been able to get down there and recover the body. A man of many talents, it seems, but this time... Dexter's mind is surely reeling with something resembling panic rather than the wonder he felt before. Dokes' phone rings and he cancels it before coming out with this. This tin can smells like ass, Morgan. The sooner you get busy, the sooner we can finger who did this. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny line with an, intention, an unintentional double entendre there because no one remarks on it. But Dokes and Deb then go outside, leaving Dexter alone with his own victim. Quite a stroke of luck, perhaps, but Dexter remarks how the killer's gone to all this effort to get back at him for not killing the security guard at the hospital. Outside, Deb, Dokes and LaGuerta are talking. They don't suspect the ice truck killer here. It's not his M.O., but they've also learnt the name of the victim and that her husband owns the yard. They all set about finding him, but a call comes over the radio that someone has found something. Back inside the caravan, Dexter and Masuka are analysing the scene. Misuku's going over the body while Dexter films it. You got anything? No bruising. Nothing under her nails. She didn't put up a fight. If she was killed here, which I doubt, whoever did it was a real pro. Under normal circumstances, I'd take that as a compliment. Prince? She's clean. This trailer? That's another matter. Uh, I don't even want to know what some of those stains are. Yo, Dex, I think I found something. Hey, zoom in on this, will you? I'm kind of low on batteries here. Dude, it'll take like two seconds. Yo, what's up with you today? You're throwing off my chi. You're not Chinese. I'm not? Look, right here. Does that look like a needle marking? It's more like a bug bite blemish, maybe. Yeah. 
I guess. I don't like the corner bagger. I'm hungry. I'm surprised Masuka wasn't more alert to Dexter, obviously playing a little dumb here. Dexter's always shown to be very sharp at crime scenes and intuitive, so it's, it's out of character for him to uh, contribute so little. Masuka, of course, was bang on the money, spotting the needle puncture mark, but Dexter managed to gloss over it. Inside the junkyard building, Deb, Dokes and Laguerta find the filth left by the imprisoned immigrants. This is presumably what the call was alerting them to. Dokes assumes that Mr Castillo was behind this little enterprise, saying it's always the husband. Deb finds a phone number scratched onto the floor and the name Marielle. Police outside find a young boy hiding, hiding in one of the wrecked cars, presumably the owner of the eye we saw watching Dexter last week. The camera zooms past LaGuerta, hugging the boy in comfort, and we see Dexter peering out of the caravan, commenting how he feels the noose getting tighter. This could be his undoing, a potential witness to his double murder. Deb and Dexter then have a conversation. Who's the boy? All we got so far is that he's Cuban and he seems to like LaGuerta. Spend enough time in a hot trunk, I guess you'd look good to anybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did he, you know, see anything? I'm not sure. He's pretty out of it. Social services is on the way. You okay? You got a whole brow thing going on. Morgan, bring some water. <sighs> I love her. Maybe I should spend some time in a hot trunk, too. My neat little world of lies is crumbling all around me. And I can't tell a soul. Especially not Deb. I like Deb's little comment about Dexter's brow thing, and we see Dexter put a hand to his forehead to see if he can feel what she means. This situation, it's got to be the worst Dexter's ever been in. He's always so meticulous, yet someone's come in and uncovered one of his bodies and laid it out at the murder scene, and to top it all, there seems to be a witness. But let's think, if the boy saw Dexter emerge from the caravan, taking the bodies with him, did the boy also see the ice truck killer return later and put one of them back? I can only imagine Dokes' confusion when he hears this story, surely. Flashback time. Harry and young Dexter are preparing for a hunting trip, while Deb is wanting to join them. Deb, we've been through this. But I have my books. I mean, I could just stay in the car. Or I can walk with you guys. I promise I'll be quiet. You won't even know I'm there. The pheasants will know you're there. But Dexter is my age when... Deb, that's enough. The Logans are waiting. Did you pack your swimsuit? Yes. Good girl. I want to see that backflip of yours when we come home. All right, now go out to the car. We'll be there in a sec. She does kind of have a point, Dad. What we do on these weekends, your sister can never know about. Keeping the truth from the people closest to you is how you'll survive. Now you protect them if anything ever goes wrong. Just a little extra insight into Dexter learning how to stay under the radar, but also how to help protect the people around him. I'd say the people he cares about, but of course we've talked before about Dexter's emotions and whether he's capable of caring about anyone. That said, we've also talked about how he's shown us more than once that he does care, but doesn't recognise or acknowledge it. I'm referring to caring about Deb, of course. Rita's at home, getting ready to go out with the kids when the phone rings. The voice says, 
Hey, babe, it's me. And Rita snaps at the children to go and wait in the car. Cody asks his sister what's wrong, and Aster says, Mum only gets like that when she's talking to Dad. So, obviously, this is our first little glimpse, little experience of Rita's husband, albeit over the phone. We know there's some violent, abusive history there, so we'll see what effect that has on Rita and, of course, Dexter. Back at the police department, Batista has tracked down Marielle, the name they found on the floor in the junkyard. She's an illegal Cuban immigrant, and Deb, Dokes and Batista have a chat with her. She talks about being locked up by Castillo and the terrible conditions they were kept in. She says she escaped because someone opened the lock-up door, but she doesn't know who. The police also learn that Valerie Castillo was involved in this illegal immigrant business. However, the woman, Marielle, knows nothing about a little boy, leaving them wondering who this kid is. We join Dexter and Masuka, Dexter going over the autopsy report, and it's bad news. Dexter comes out with a funny line. No hair, no fibres, COD exsanguination, so far so good. You're hovering. Keep reading. What am I even looking for? Wait for it. This is a prelim. I don't have it's time M for... fucking 99 Etorphine hydrochloride? An animal tranquilizer more powerful than morphine. Causes total paralysis. That mark on the neck kept bugging me, so I ordered a Botox screen. That's it. No more donuts for Masuka. Dude, the stuff is strictly controlled. The only way to get it is with the DEA license. I put a request in for the list. I should have it for dokes in the morning. Nice. Yeah, baby. I'm on that list. And eventually the alias I used will lead them back to me. Tick-tock. I love that little quip from Dexter about the donuts. I like that about this show, where in the middle of something really dark and unpleasant, there are still laughs to be had. Dexter gets a call from Rita, who's upset and tells him about the call from Paul, her soon-to-be ex-husband. He's been let out of jail early due to overcrowding, and he wants to come to Aster's birthday party. Of course, Rita doesn't want him anywhere near, but she's worried he'll come even if she says no. OK, so the police are now on to Jorge Castillo, although they don't realise they'll never find him. They're looking for his boat. Dexter speaks to Batista. Bat I'll say that again. Dexter speaks to Batista. Where's LaGuerta? Trying to bring that kid in for a sketch. Sketch? He told social services that some guy saved him from the bad lady. Valerie Castillo. It sounds like she got exactly what she had coming to her. Personally, I'd shake this guy's hand. Yeah, you say that now. Things just don't seem to be getting any better for him, do they? Obviously, this fear he has is now that the sketch will turn out to be a beautiful likeness of one Dexter Morgan. Deb and Dokes go to Castillo's house looking for clues. They speculate that maybe Jorge killed his wife, but Deb theorises that it could be in fact a copycat of the ice truck killer. Dokes is sceptical, uh, but gives Deb leeway to draw up a profile. For the second time today, Dokes' mobile phone rings and he cancels it, pulling a face. Deb notices and comments, but Dokes brushes it off. Back at the junkyard, Dexter is checking into just how much that boy could have seen from the boot of the car, and he's angry to find that the kid would have most likely seen him. And he kicks a, a can, a paint can or something, in disgust. That evening, Dokes and Deb are out in the car, and they pull up outside a house. 
Dokes reveals whose phone calls he's been avoiding. It's his mum who's been pestering him to go round for dinner. He basically wants to use Deb as an exit strategy to make an early escape. He's even less happy about going in when he spots his sisters are there too. So we get a little insight into Dokes' family life. It's all nice, it adds a little bit of dimension to his character. His mum and sisters actually seem perfectly nice and normal, but Dokes is clearly uncomfortable about being there. Deb, of course, fits right in, and the ladies all chat merrily. Deb cusses and apologises, but one of the sisters says not to worry. Please. First words out of my baby brother's mouth were, Got milk, motherfucker? <laughs> the ladies' conversation turns a little cheeky, and Dokes has had enough and wants to leave, but Deb's is, Deb is having too much fun and wants to stay for dessert. Dokes's face is a picture. At Rita's house, Dexter's watching the children play, wondering if in time they'll remember him as the man who broke their mother's heart. Cody looks round and gives him a really lovely warm smile. Obviously, he looks up to Dexter, and Dexter thinks how, he, how he'll end up breaking the kids' hearts too. The children must have had some tough experiences when their real dad was home, seeing their mum hurt. They need a stable father figure, and to Cody at least, Dexter seems to represent that. Rita tells Dexter that Paul used to threaten that if she ever left him, he'd find them and hurt the kids. She thought that by staying with him and putting up with the abuse, she was protecting the children. It's a really sad situation and an all-too-common story that we hear about in real life. Rita reveals that Cody doesn't remember much, but Asta does. She was the one who called the police the last time Paul kicked off. We've talked before about how Dexter often struggles to find the right words to say, but at this moment, he holds Rita's hand and offers some comfort and says if Paul shows up, they'll deal with it together. Cody overhears this and seems excited that his dad's coming home, while Rita and Asta exchange a look before Asta runs to her room. Dexter feels bad about things and considers leaving. With Rita's husband a crackhead and her boyfriend a serial killer, he thinks Rita will find it hard not to take all that personally. That night, Dexter has a very out-of-character nightmare involving his dad Harry, Deb and the ice truck killer in his apartment. He finds himself taped to a table in his own style, and Deb beheading him. Poor guy, his head is in a very dark place. I don't have bad dreams. When I sleep, all of me sleeps. Nothing ever goes bump in Dexter's night. I've never felt a moment of remorse, doubt, regret. What's happening to me? If my back wasn't against the wall, I'd almost feel guilty for hacking into Masuka's email. Once I got past all the porn, it was easy. And there I am. Dr. Patrick Bateman. So wholesome, so inconspicuous. Harry would frown upon destroying evidence, but he never wanted me to get caught either. So Dexter edits Masuka's email, removing the possibility of discovery via that particular avenue. For those who don't know, Patrick Bateman is the name of the serial killer in the book American Psycho. Nice little reference. We don't get too many of those in Dexter, unlike another show I could mention. <coughs> Lost! Anyway, Dexter's musings there are telling. He's in quite a state, and it's taken him by surprise. He really is in some very real danger of being discovered. 
The ice truck killer really has him by the shortened curlies, and if he wanted to, he could drop Dexter right in it. But they've obviously already established a kind of understanding. It's a totally bizarre situation, but one that so far had Dexter captivated. But now he's vulnerable and at risk of exposure. It's frightening him. Deb comes over and asks Dexter to look at her copycat profile that she's drawn up. He reads aloud her theory that the copycat feels he has a connection to the ice truck killer and is excited by what he's doing. She writes how the lack of evidence at the crime scene demonstrates an understanding of law enforcement or forensics procedure. You don't need to be a genius to realise that Deb's profile fits Dexter to a T, fits him quite perfectly. And he does his best to discourage her to keep the profile to, us, to herself. However, Deb won't be discouraged, and she's certain that she's onto something. She gets a bit emotional, obviously upset at Dexter's lack of support. We go to flashback, and Harry Morgan catches young Deb practising firing one of his guns. He's very angry that she broke into his gun cabinet. Deb explains she wanted to practice, so she could get good, and join them on one of their hunting, hunting trips. But Harry says he's disappointed in her. Young Dexter is standing by and says nothing. And it's obvious from this flashback that it's another example of when Deb was upset and hurt by a lack of support from her big brother. It's pretty clear where Deb ranked in Harry's eyes. Dexter was evidently his favourite. Why, we don't know, but Harry obviously invested all his efforts into nurturing Dexter, but at the cost of his relationship with his daughter. Very sad. The boy from the junkyard, Oscar, is brought into the police station to meet with a sketch artist. We learn that he did see someone abduct Valerie, abduct Valerie Castillo, but didn't recognise a photo of Jorge, so they know they're looking for someone else. La Guerta meets Oscar when he arrives at the station. The two of them seem to have made a connection, and La Guerta explains to the social worker, uh, presumably social worker, that she was like him once, a stranger in a strange place, left to grow up with strangers. And it, it's revealed that they've not had any luck in tracing Oscar's family yet. But they do have a contact. They're trying to track down an uncle. I like how we see a little more again of La Guerta's softer side. We saw it before when she was upset about the whole Mrs Tucci thing. And now we get a little of her own backstory and humble beginnings. She's done well for herself and we see here that she has an affinity with a vulnerable child. It's good to see a different side to her when, in the earlier episodes, she's been portrayed as a real hard-nosed bitch, particularly towards Deb. Or mainly towards Deb, perhaps. In the squad room, Dokes is briefing the troops, and he gives Deb an opportunity to talk about her copycat theory, although excuse me, she and Dexter exchange a look before she speaks. Dexter naturally afraid to be profiled in front of the whole department. But speak she does, and while she's talking... Dexter's day doesn't get any better as LaGuerta brings Oscar into the room and Dexter beats a hasty retreat back into his office. Batista joins LaGuerta in the interview room with Oscar and they give him some cakes to help him open up. They share a light moment and again it's refreshing to see a lighter side to LaGuerta. Later on, Dexter goes into the interview room to take a peek at the sketch artist's pad. But as he goes in, he sees LaGuerta sitting on a sofa, with Oscar asleep laying across her. She's relieved that Dexter's there, because he can help her out get more comfortable. But it turns out the artist didn't get very far yet with the drawing. But when Dexter takes a look at the book, we see the sketch of the eyes is a perfect match for Dexter.
I know this is meant for dramatic effects, but really, the boy was squashed in the back of the car, traumatised. And it was night time. Dexter, several metres away. And the grabbing of Valerie Castillo was quick. Yet the, details, the detail on these eyes is so good that you'd think Dexter was only inches from the boy's nose for hours. For him to have got such a good look to describe these eyes. You'd expect a sketch of the boy's impression of the man actually to be much more vague. Under the circumstances, it's a minor gripe, really. But it serves to heighten Dexter's nervousness. So we'll let it go. We join Deb and LaGuerta in the ladies' toilets. And LaGuerta is struggling with a contact lens. Deb tries to help, but kind of gets brushed off in the end. However, they have an interesting conversation. Let me ask you something. Your brother's adopted, right? Yeah, my dad found him in a crime scene. How did the department feel about Harry getting personally involved in the case? Didn't seem to be a problem. My parents never talked about it much. Oh, but still raising a boy. It's a lot of work, no? Dex? <laughs> God, no. I got more trouble than he ever did. He was the perfect one. Yeah, I think I see it. Yeah. There's a bastard. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Why do you have it in for me? You're loud, you're impulsive, and you constantly question authority. Fair enough. I hear you have an interesting theory on who. As LaGuerta asks about Deb's theory there, we hear a door close and see that she's gone. Some interesting stuff in that clip, though. Most significantly, we learn that Deb was found by Harry at a crime scene. What kind of crime scene and at what age could have had a major bearing on how, it, how Dexter turned out? Also in that, Deb grabs the opportunity to ask why LaGuerta gives her a hard time and gets a straight response. The speed of LaGuerta's reply suggests it was an honest one, so maybe our previous speculation was wrong, that LaGuerta felt threatened in some way by Deb. Could be LaGuerta's negativity towards Deb was purely professional. However, it doesn't change the fact that she was rude to her and cut her off unfairly and dismissed or glossed over anything Deb had to say. Maybe LaGuerta isn't quite the bitch, though, that we, sh that we thought she was. We join Rita at home that night. She's talking to Asta, who's upset about her dad maybe showing up at the party and that it's apparently putting off her friends coming to the party. Rita sees that Asta's wet the bed poor little thing, clearly very disturbed by the things she's witnessed. Asta asks Rita if it's okay if she doesn't have a birthday party. You see the sad look on Rita's face in response, but she surely understands. We jump to Dexter, who's in a bit of a panic, hastily packing his tools, wrapping stuff up in plastic. He goes out on his boat and dumps it all into the ocean, saying it's only a matter of time before the sketch is finished and he's identified. As we watched Dexter doing this, I couldn't help but wonder if the ice truck killer's watching, ready to go in there and recover the tools from the seabed. The last item Dexter has is his treasured slide collection. He holds a few of them up, remembering their names and crimes. Dexter finishes by holding up Valerie Castillo's slide and notices it's been tampered with. A smiley face has been drawn in the blood. So not only has the ice truck killer been in Dexter's apartment, he's even found Dexter's hidden slides. Such fond memories of them all. They all accepted their fate in their own way. Now it's time for me to do the same. Valerie Castillo, my last victim.
He's not angry. That's not what this is about. He's testing me. I was wrong the whole time. My playmate saw an opportunity to paint me into a corner to see if I'd find my way out. If I'd fight to survive. Dexter goes back to his lab and sets to work. Basically, he's setting up Jorge Castillo for Valerie's murder. He rigs a knife with Valerie's blood and Jorge's fingerprints. Meanwhile, Deb has run a profile through the FBI computer and has got, uh, got 11 new hits. Deb's pleased, but Dokes is unimpressed. She goes on to tell him to thank his mum for dinner. She says it's unusual to meet a guy's family who actually likes her. <laughs> Poor bugger. Doke sounds impressed that she managed to get a dirty word in edgeways when his sisters are around the table. It's a nice little exchange there. But Dexter hurries up to them and says he found something. He shows them a sock found in the Castillo house and says that he's found some of Valerie's blood on it. Deb says it doesn't prove anything. Dex goes on to show them the video from the junkyard and says he thinks the cuts in Valerie's neck displays that the killer was in a hurry and not actually trying to emulate anyone or take their time. Dexter asks them if Jorge has been completely ruled out yet, but Debbie's suspicious of why is Dexter doing this. Oscar's already said he didn't recognise Jorge from the photos, but Dexter says the boy was dehydrated and traumatised. The seed of doubt is enough for Dokes, and he goes to order another sweep of the junkyard. Dexter consoles Deb about the work she put into her profile. She's upset about it, but of course Dexter's prime concern was self-preservation, and Deb's wasted time is an unfortunate cost. And it's flashback time again. How long are you grounded for? Two months. Look, Deb, I had to tell him. No, Dex, you didn't. You could have kept your fucking mouth shut. Dad was really worried about you, and so was I. Well, now you can spend more time together. I'm not stupid, Dexter. That's always what you've wanted. No, it's not. Deb, you're my sister. No, I am not. And he is my father. There are so many times I swear, Dexter, that I wish he would have never brought you home. Dexter, I'm so sorry. I really, really didn't mean it like that. And Deb's potty mouth takes a bow. But seriously, we see early signs here of Deb's impulsive nature, blurting out that line about Harry bringing Dexter home, and then immediately regretting her lack of tact. We know, of course, that Dexter must have told Harry about Deb and the gun to protect her, keep her away from their private hunting trips, make sure she never knows about Dexter's dark urges and Harry helping him control them. It meant dropping her in it, but that was the cost of protecting her and himself. Same thing, really, that we just saw him do in the present day. Back at Rita's house, she plucks up the courage to telephone Paul to ask him not to come to the party. He says Astor's daughter's his daughter too, but to her credit, Rita stands up to him and threatens him with police and the parole officer if, she, if he shows up. We learn that there's a restraining order in place. At the Castillo junkyard, police are conducting another search, and would you believe it, they find a knife. At the police station, LaGuerta is visibly upset when Oscar's uncle shows up to take him home. She crouches down to say bye to him and the boy gives her a kiss. It's a sweet moment and I really felt sorry for her. When she was 
asking Deb about Harry rescuing Dexter as a boy. I'm sure she was giving thought to maybe taking Oscar under her wing for the long term. But Batista interrupts LaGuerta's thoughts to show her the sketch artist's book, and they both look shocked. Of course, we don't get to see it, drawing out the suspense. We jump back to the junkyard, where Dexter's examining the knife, and of course he finds blood. Deb's now resigned to the fact that maybe she was wrong about her profile, and perhaps the husband did do it after all. Always the husband, she says. Dexter muses how she'll forgive him in time. She's big-hearted and kind, and nothing like him. Batista arrives with a sketch pad. La Guelta thought you should see this. What you got? That kid Oscar swears this is who he saw. Son of a bitch. Dex. Okay. I gave them Jorge's sock, a knife with his prints, and a drop of his wife's blood. Forensics trifecta like that should trump a child's drawing. I hope. Fucking weird. Jesus Christ saved this kid on his own for as long as Oscar was. Who's to say he didn't? The picture's complete and bears an uncanny resemblance to one Jesus Christ. Dex's relief is obvious. We close out with Asta's birthday party. Everyone's there, everyone that is, except for her dad Paul, and Asta says her birthday wish was for him not to be there. Very sad for a child to think that of a parent, but under the circumstances, who could blame her? We see Dexter pick up Cody and swing him around, having fun, in a very nice moment, and then we see a storm brewing over the city as Dexter's changing the locks on his apartment door. I was wrong about birthdays. Maybe the reason to celebrate them is what they offer. The hope of living to see another one. The thing about Deb forgiving me, I'd better give her a few more days. I barely escaped getting caught this time. I realize now my days are numbered. So I better make the most of them. All along I thought this was a game my alter ego and I were playing. But relationships change, evolve, and this one's getting deep. in my dream the storm's on its way and that's the end of the episode a really strong one I thought really good episode with Dexter believing he was in real danger of being discovered and having to do a lot of nice ducking and diving to ensure his safety and in the end it seems he needn't have worried that final scene at the party, you may have noticed in the clip I just played, the background music is the track I play at the end of each podcast. The piece is called Aster's Birthday, and it's on the Season 1 soundtrack, and it's written by Daniel Licht. I like the development in this episode that we got with Laguerta's character. 
As I said, she's been portrayed as a very unlikable woman so far with her treatment of Deb. But we got some insight into why, and that her reasons were apparently based upon professional criticism, criticism rather than anything unreasonable. We also saw LaGuerta's softer side revealed more, and I thought it was nicely done with her attachment to Oscar. Listener Feedback I've not received anything in the way of feedback specific to this episode, but I would like to uh, just take a moment to thank those who've contacted me just to say they're enjoying the podcast. So thank you to anyone who's contacted me via email or Twitter. I'd name individuals, but I've not kept a record of everyone. Should I name names? I'm bound to forget someone. Ah, sod it. I'll have a go. Thanks to DexDeb on Twitter, uh, Matt Murdick from the US WhoCast, Mike Wilkerson on Twitter, who actually mentioned that he was going to be setting up his own Dexter podcast soon. I'll give him a plug if and when I hear any more. There's been Megan Reed, my good friend James Critchley, and Cakes underscore UK on Twitter, who's been especially supportive, giving me regular feedback and comments. Thanks, Matt. If you've been in touch and I've not mentioned you, I do apologise, but be assured that I really do appreciate all of your feedback. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, so we're now exactly halfway through season one, reaching this point with what I thought was a very strong episode. I know there are some listeners who are watching Dexter for the first time, so what do you think so far? Drop me a line if you like and tell me how you're feeling about it. I loved how this episode ended, with the storm brewing over Miami, a a, a very unsubtle but dramatic metaphor for interesting times to come this season. The ice truck killer situation has changed from killing to direct action on Dexter himself, testing him. So far, Dexter's been up to the challenge, although it was fortuitous that Oscar saw Jesus and not Dexter's face. Now, that could have been tricky if that had been different. We've seen some nice character development of LaGuerta in the last couple of episodes, and a little of Dokes, too, with the introduction we got to his family. It all adds a nice bit of depth to our characters. The next episode is called Circle of Friends, in which the ice truck killer investigation will no doubt continue. But will things escalate further between him and Dexter? Could he drop Dexter in the mire even further? Remember Dexter's tools that he dumped overboard? Will they make a public appearance like Valerie Castillo did? Whatever happens, I'll say again that I'm really enjoying watching these old episodes again. I'm getting a lot more out of them, watching them so closely, taking notes and stuff for the podcast, and I hope that my recaps help enhance your appreciation of Dexter. And because I know what lies ahead between now and the end of Season 4, I have, as I'm sure many of you do, I have a different perspective than I did when I watched these uh, episodes the first time, and it shines a different light on certain things. Okay, well, that's about it for Episode 1. Sorry, Season 1, Episode 6. I'll do my best to get another one done before Season 5 starts at the end of September. And when Season 5 kicks off, I intend to podcast an initial reaction each week, but these shows will be clearly labelled with spoiler warnings for those who've not caught up yet. So don't worry about um, getting spoiled. I'll do my very best to make sure that that doesn't happen. But I don't see there's any way I can't podcast on Season 5 as it goes on. I can't miss this opportunity to... uh, do a sort of up-to-date Dexter podcast that would be great finally 
Just to repeat the contact information, you can email me at dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also send an mp3 voicemail. We've got the new listener lines. You can call 206 203 0974 or for UK listeners, you can call 0844 579 6949 and then enter mailbox ID 08320. There isn't a mailbox number for the US number, just, uh, just dial 206 203 and you get straight through. It'd be great to hear from you. Oh, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at Dissect Dexter, or there's my personal Twitter too, which is at Gareth underscore UK. Okay, that really is it for now. It's a cracking sunny afternoon here, so I think I might go and enjoy the sun, put the shorts on and stuff. Now there's a thought to leave you with. Thanks for listening, and we'll be dissecting some more Dexter very soon. Mm-hmm.